thing happening in our nation and our community, and we pray for that. You know, last night, again, we had to bring chairs in for our prayer room, and it just nobody wants to leave prayer. You know, we used to be watching our watches, and now 7.30, 8.30, 9 o'clock comes, and we're just there, just calling on God and, you know, just seeking, just loving on Him and He allowing Him to love on us. We're, we see a lot of great things God is doing in our midst. And I, for one, can't wait to see what He's going to do next. How about you? Expectancy. I believe someone, maybe Pastor Dan mentioned that when he was talking this morning. Are you expecting God to do anything for you? Now, next Sunday, we have Dr. Wingett will be here. And he is the founder of LCU. So we're excited to hear. I know he has a message, a timely message for us. So I want you to uh, come expecting to receive. And uh, we, the LCU graduation will be happening on Saturday morning. And we're, we're just excited to be able to host the school here at Impact Church. And Terry mentioned, you know, we do a lot of things here. Maybe you're not aware of, as you, as you probably know, we have donated the house next door to the Open Door Ministry to use. And not only have we done, they've made a lot of beautiful repairs in there, but we also kind of still help you with utilities and things like that. And that's a home for girls who have aged out of foster care. So we we see that Donna Gerlock just started, well, she's been doing here to here, but she's working with one of the local physicians to go into homes and and just meet the needs, whatever they may be. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about helping them plan a meal plan, helping them with parenting, these kind of discipling people with the love of God. And I'm sure once she kind of gets her hands around it well, pretty good, she's going to be wanting volunteers. And I know you guys are going to volunteer. So there's a lot of things that go on that maybe you're not aware of. And uh, we, you know, we still continue to feed and, and provide when we can with those needs. We just sent checks to uh, the Children's Rescue Initiative that you gave. I think it was about fifteen, sixteen hundred dollars $1,600. We just sent $3,000 of money that you gave to, uh, to leave for the dormitory for the girls in Kenya. And so there's a lot of things that's going on around the world as well as in our community. And you guys are incredible, and we appreciate that. So... Uh, I, I, and I will also want to mention that Annette Ford, the lady that used to sit right here, passed away yesterday. So we, um, I guess Duke's kind of been the point of contact. Well, she was actually in the hospital a while before we ever knew that she was sick. So we're, but Duke will be our point of contact, I suppose, to see what we as a church family can do for her. So I'll keep that. Check your email. About 50% of people, they say we're doing better than the national average. But about 50% of people check their email, but that's how we communicate. Email, Facebook, social media, Instagram, those kind of things, that's how we communicate. So so be, please be sure and do that. I uh, Do we have a, video, a special video today? Didn't we have a special video planned? Okay, everybody's saying, okay, so maybe we don't. <laughs> okay. Well, I want to mention Memorial Day. <laughs> so tomorrow we, we do recognize all those who gave their life who gave their life for this nation, for the freedoms that we enjoy today. And we don't ever want to take that for granted. Most of the time we think of Memorial Day, we think of hot dogs and cookouts and going to the beach and these kind of things. But do we really think about what these people, these men and women have done for this nation and for us? So we want to remember that tomorrow and maybe pray for those families. Uh, If you know of anyone who's, even in World War II, even I guess there's still some people still around for that, the Korean War, the... um, we actually just met someone recently who was a Vietnam 
war veteran who's still struggling with PTSD from that. So maybe they didn't give their life, but they, in essence, have given their their life livelihood, so to speak, or their ability to perform as normal uh, through the you know the traumas that were incurred during these wars. So let's don't forget our incredible veterans and our and those who have given their lives. We also want to remember those who aren't with us. We have several that are out, but some that are sick. Uh, Becky Hammett, we want to remember her. She's not feeling well this morning. And we want to keep her in our prayers. John Hammett, keep him in your prayers. Raymond Jones, keep him in your prayers as well. And anyone else, I don't know, see uh, skateboard. I don't know. He's fa- Okay, yeah, we have people that are out and away and have family in, so... But that's okay. We still pray for them, don't we? So in, in Lana, Lana Hamill. So we just want to continue to remember that as, as uh, Brenda said, when you wake up at two or three in the morning, what are you doing? I agree with you. Those two and three o'clock prayers are powerful. And if you, if you know anything about the prayer watches from three to five, it's supposed to be the, the watch for spiritual warfare. It's where the enemies are getting ready to plot. And so it's where we can, we can destroy their plot and their plan. And so it seems to, it doesn't seem ironic that so many believers wake up right at three o'clock. And anybody, yeah, I mean, I look at my clock, I said, it must be three o'clock, you know. There's something about that three o'clock hour, but I believe the heavens are stirring is what's happening. And those of us that have a sensitive spirit, we're getting in tune with that. So let's don't forget to pray. So Father, we just lift up all of those, God, all of those who are sick in their bodies, Father. You're the Lord God who heals. That's your promise to your people. And God, I pray that the, that the reaching, touching hand of God, the word of God will go through and touch the every life that we mentioned today, Father. Bring total, complete restoration and healing. Thank you for what you've done in Larry's life. Thank you for the continued work. Thank you for protecting Greg, Father. And Lord, I believe that might have been symbolic. The old devil, the old devil will come in like a snake sleeking and sneaking and in and he's trying to kill, steal and destroy, Lord. So it's not, a, it's not an unusual thing that we should see this kind of thing happening. And it's not an unusual thing that he would grab it by the neck. That's what we are to do, God. We have authority over all the snakes of the evil. And God, we take authority over that. And we can bind the powers of the enemy from influencing our children, our grandchildren, our families, our health, our finances, our business. We break the power of the enemy in Jesus' holy, mighty name. Thank you, God, for that authority. And we bless you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. So it's kind of, um, I'm going to continue to theme on the church. How many loves the church? You know, so many people don't even know what the church is. Well, what is the church? Well, it's a building. You know, there's many churches. Well, there's many buildings. There's not many churches, I'm afraid. But there are many buildings that meet together and call themselves a church. And, you know, as we said, and you know this, the, the, the word church was never used in Scripture. It doesn't even exist. If Jesus had said to Peter, I'm going to build my church, he would have said, what's the church? He said, I'm going to build my ecclesia. That was a very common Greek term back in that days. And it is a called out group of people with legislative authority. And we as the church have to understand that. That we have legislative authority over the spiritual realm operating in this earth. So if we don't know who we are, the enemy knows who he is. And we're going to end up with abortion in our land. Sound familiar? We're going to end up with people not knowing what gender they are. Does that sound familiar? We're going to end up with all this perverted teaching going on in schools. Does that sound familiar? Because the enemy knew who he was. And I believe Terry mentioned it last week. During the greatest revival in the history of our nation, the charismatic renewal, while we were out here getting happy and speaking in tongues and rolling in the floor, the devil was discipling our nation. And we had all this stuff to come in. 
So a church, it didn't work, did it? So it's time that we understand of the church and the church in today's world. What is our responsibility as the church in today's world? Are you responsible just to show up on Sunday morning? That helps, but that's really not it. That's not it. Jesus built his church and he placed in the church functions. We talked about that last week. The, the five-fold ministry, the, the apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, teacher. We, we talked about that last week and how that structure is necessary for the church to operate in the capacity and the power it needs to operate in. And too often we have a wop-sided church. We have everybody's called pastor and we don't, where's the prophet? Where's the apostle? Where's the evangelist? Where's the teacher in all of this? So we see clearly that the local organized church has a purpose and that is to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. That's what we looked at last week in Ephesians 4. And so, but what have we made the work of ministry? We say we're equipped to do the work of ministry. What, well, keeping the nursery, ushering, cleaning the bathrooms, that's the work of ministry. No, that's not the work of ministry. I don't think Jesus had that in mind whenever he was talking about the works that necessary to equip us for the works. But we do see in the scripture a purpose. But I want to look at Ephesians chapter 4 just briefly. Just go back and, and um, just refresh. It said, now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. The apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Their responsibility is to equip. Equip means to train, to teach, to bring to perfection for a specific use or benefit. So we're equipping to bring this people to a specific place for a, a purpose. It's not just so you can say, I am so smart, I can quote all of these scriptures. I can quote every book of the Bible. I, I can, I've memorized all the Psalms, all the prophets. That's not what it's for. It says so we can, we can, to equip the people to do his work. And so we come to church to get equipped to go out of the church. See, for a long time, we've wanted to bring the, the, the world to the church. Well, we've missed it. The world doesn't want to come to church, did you? <laughs> a lot of kids got, they said they, they had a drug problem when they were teenagers. They got drugged to church on Sunday morning, drugged to church on Sunday night, drugged on Wednesday night. And as soon as they got to be 18, they ran, right? <laughs> How many can identify? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> yeah. But the church used to go into the world. The church is to go into the world. That means doesn't mean you have to buy a ticket and go somewhere to Africa or, or India. But you, if God tells you to do that, do that. But what about just going into the city and into the community? How about just going where you are? The local church has never lost its purpose or value. Never. Never. But it's lost its way. It's never lost its purpose or its value, but it's lost its way. And it's forgotten what its mission is. So we looked last week and we said the church represents God in the earth. The church is the only thing authorized to represent God in the earth. I don't care what kind of clubs or associate. The church is the only. I mean, when I say church, I'm talking about the real church. I'm not talking about organized structural religion. I'm talking about the real church. Those who really are sons and daughters of God. Those according to Romans 8, 14, that they, they move as the spirit tells them to move. They only do what the Father tells them to do. They have a passion. They're pursuing God. That is the church. It's not just about attending church. It's not just about repeating a prayer. It's not signing a role. Church is not a club, but it is for members only. Church is not a club, but it is for members only. But the church is a powerful, life-giving entity. 
That's to go into the world and turn the world upside down. We looked at that word last week, turn upside down, and it means to revolt. So the church is to go into these negative, evil religious structures that have, that have taken ground illegally in the earth, and they're to revolt against those evil structures. And that doesn't mean burning buildings and carrying, and that's not what we're talking about. I believe we can do most of our warfare in our prayer closet. That's what I believe. Now, there's a time God calls you out to do things. I believe that. But I believe most of, if the church knew who we are and spoke into the heavens and against the powers and principalities that are ruling and ruining our nation, we could see change happening. But we're too busy fighting each other. Are you a Republican or are you a Democrat, donkey or elephant? Just be a Christian, right? Forget about all that other junk. That's junk. We just want to follow God. So when the church loses its way, it affects everything. So let's go back to the very beginning and see if we can determine what is the purpose of the church. For the very beginning, we we can even go back into the Old Testament, by the way. And as I was just meditating on this this week, this is the scripture the Lord brought to mind. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Now, this is out of the Passion. You know, the Passion's now got a lot more books of the Bible. It's got Genesis, Isaiah, Joshua, Ruth, Judges, and all it's got Judges. But, but it's beautiful. You can download it on Kindle if you can't get hard copy. But Genesis 12, this is out of the Passion. It says, follow me. This is God speaking to Abraham. Follow me and I will make you into a great nation. I will exceedingly bless and prosper you and I will make you famous. Everybody stops there. I'm supposed to be a believer because God's going to make me rich and famous. But then it goes on to say, so that you will be a tremendous source of blessing for others. And through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. There's been so much wrong teaching on this. That I'm, you know, it's all, if I'm, if I'm a child of God, I'm supposed to be, you know, fat and happy and wealthy and all this. And then, you know, I believe God does bless his children, but it's so that. We forget the so that part. Well, our so that is so I can have a bigger house, bigger car, more vacations, a bigger steak, S-T-E-A-K. How big a S-T-E-A-K can we eat? Right? That's not what it's for. The purpose of our blessing is so that we can be a tremendous blessing to others. That's the purpose of our blessing. And then all the families of the earth, that has not changed today. That has not changed today. God and Abram made a covenant blessing. And because of Abram's faith in God, it says he was appointed into him as righteousness. See, that's how God viewed Abram as righteous. Does he view us as righteous? Galatians 3.8 says God's plan all along was to bring this message of salvation to the nations through the revelation of faith. See, his plan all along was to get the word out to the nations. It wasn't just so Abram, you know, when he came out of Egypt, he said, boy, they took notice because he came out a lot more, a lot wealthier than he did when he went in. Why is that? So Abram would have the ability to bless the nations. When we send this, these checks to these other nations, when we provide for the girls next door, when we're talking about helping people in the community, we can only do that if we have been blessed and if we're not hoarding it up, Right? Long ago, God prophesied over Abraham, as the Holy Scripture says, through you, through your example of faith, all the nations will be blessed. Through their, his example, through our example of faith, the city could be, should be blessed. This city should be different because our church is in the city. Right? 
The schools in our community should be better because this church is in the community. Because Impact Church, First Baptist, First Presbyterian, the Methodist Church, because all of these are in our community, this community should be rich. Rich with favor, rich with righteousness, because all of these blessings are placed in in this community. But we have to reach a point where these things don't matter to us. We have to reach a point where money doesn't control every move we make, every decision that we make. We have to reach a point that our fame is not a controlling factor. Because the true followers of God and the true church will take on the same attitude as Jesus did, and that is humility. That is humility. And I believe that prosperity and fame and fortune are only vehicles that God uses in a person's life that he can trust. That's what I believe. That he can trust to use them for what is really important to make disciples of other nations. So the Bible tells us in Ephesians 4, we've been equipped for works. You ever wonder what those works are? Well, John 14, 12 tells us exactly what the works are. He says, Jesus is saying, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done. That word works is ergon. It means business, employing, that which one is occupied, that which one undertakes to do in enterprise and undertaking. So it's basically whatever you're doing. He says, the same things that I am doing, the same enterprises I have, you'll do. And then he says, and even greater enterprises, because I'm going to be with my father. See, greater because Jesus says, I'm doing it with one person. Now all of these people can do what I did. You see how much greater it can be? What a gra- If the effect Jesus had in the world is one person, imagine all the believers. Only 6% of believers or 17% of believers have a biblical worldview. 6% of people in the earth have a biblical worldview. 17% of believers. We understand why the church is in the mess it's in. 17% have a biblical worldview. That was four years ago. So we have to know what the what God wants us to do. We have to know what his word says. He said, I've done an even greater works. Those works of ministry. The church is to do the same thing that Jesus did. The church is to do the same thing. So let's look at what Jesus did just quickly. Now, I'm not telling you anything new today. I'm just hoping to stir you up and encourage you. I don't think too many of you may hear something you haven't heard before. Maybe some have, Will. Or maybe you've never thought about it before. It's like that book we're reading on Thursday night. It looks like they rewrote it from the time we read it three years ago to today, doesn't it? Our eyes just seem to be getting open to things. But what are some of the works that Jesus did? Luke 10, 19, 10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who were lost. The church is supposed to seek and save the lost. We go out looking for people that need to be saved. But we also let God draw us to them, right? Nobody can come to Jesus unless the Father draws him. So we're not standing on the street corner yelling at cars as they go by, right? If you want to do that, go for it. But I just don't think that's biblical. I don't think it's very fruitful either. And I think it really has a more negative effect than positive. What about the person we're sitting beside of every day on the job? What kind of witness are we to them? Well, I don't know if they're saved or not. Then you're not very perceptive. Talk to somebody two minutes. You should know if they have Jesus in their life or not. That's right. Thank you. That's exactly right. So Jesus came to seek and save the lost. We're to, we're to find the lost and give them the offer of salvation. We're to reveal to them the love of Christ. 
the answer for eternity. Number two, in 1 John 3, 8, it says, But the Son of Man came to destroy the works of the devil. Now, this is where people really get nervous. Destroy the works of the devil. The devil usurped the authority from from man on the earth. We are to go back and take that back. How many of you have children and grandchildren that the devil's influencing? We probably, most of us could raise our hands, right? We have the authority. Those two and three o'clock prayer mornings you have, prayer meetings with God. Man, I tell you, every one of my grandkids has got their name on that list. And some of you guys and some of the people that we encounter every day on the job, people that come to us and they're broken and they're falling apart and they're suicidal and they're, they're self, self-defeating. And they just want to get better. They just, they've never been taught what half of us have been taught or exposed to. They don't know that life can be better for them. Nobody's told them that life doesn't have to be this way. But we need to understand, Paul says, I don't want you ignorant of of the devil's devices. See, if you don't know who you are in Christ, the devil's going to run all over you, right? We are sons and daughters of God. He tells us that we have authority. The devil's underneath our feet. We have authority over the devil. Don't let him rule in your children's lives. Well, I think it's up to them, isn't it? Yes, it is, but you can certainly move some things around in the process. I've sent so many angels out this week, you wouldn't believe it. God, go do this. Change that. Remove influences. Get rid of toxic relationships. Our granddaughter in Alabama, she called me and she's got this new boyfriend. And I said, is he a Christian? And she said, he's Russian. I said, is he a Christian? So we began this long thing. And I said, ask your daddy how Mimi can pray people out of his life, you know, pray out of his life. And she said, well, I'm working on him. So... You know, that won't last long. He'll either get saved or he'll be gone. We have that authority. Why waste time with our children? Why let them go through these things and get hurt? Right? Why do we allow this? We're children of God. The devil has nothing. Nothing in us belongs to him. My kids don't. My grandkids don't. Your kids don't. Your family does. Your finances don't. Your business doesn't. Your job doesn't. Don't let the devil rule and reign in your life. How about works of evil, sicknesses, destructions? Sickness doesn't belong in the believer's life. Well, I've come to the front a hundred times and I haven't been healed. You're not listening. You're not listening. When you go to the doctor and you walk out of his office, are you healed as soon as you walk out of that office or does he give you a process for health? So we come to God and we come to the altar. God, heal me. And I walk out and I'm not healed. But God has given you a process for health. He's got a plan for your health. And it might involve stopping doing some things and start doing some healthy things. Right? We've got to be able to hear what God is saying. We've got to be able to think rationally about what He's saying and what He's wanting us to do. He wants us to live the blessed life, not waiting in a miracle line somewhere for healing. Now, does God do miracles? Absolutely. Absolutely. But I've said it for years. He might give you a miracle, but He'll always give you a plan. Always give you a plan. Always give you, and that concerns your finances, your children, your health, whatever. So we have to destroy the works of the devil in our lives, but you got to know who you are to do that. You got to know who you are. 
Then he, in Luke 4, 18 and 19, says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And this is Jesus speaking. He says, He sent me to proclaim. So we have been sent to proclaim. What were we proclaiming? Number one, good news to the poor. Good news to the poor. We t- we've torn this all apart before. And you know that word poor is not just spiritually poor, but it's those who are so destitute and unless somebody comes in and helps them, they're going to die. God says, I've got good news for you. You don't have to be poor any longer. You don't have to be destitute. You don't have to be hooked on that drug. You don't have to be that way anymore. And then he says, the captives will be released. That's who the devil has held in bondage. He says, I'm proclaiming that you don't have to be in bondage any longer. Most deliverances could be done by self-deliverances if people knew who they are. And then he said, the blind's going to see revelation knowledge. We need a revelation of what to do, what to think, how to act, how to, how to, where to move in our lives, where to, where to uh, work and where to go to school, whatever it might be. Christina was telling me about how God's been speaking to her about going to school. Even sent her a dream. And she's in school now because that was revelation. See, he opened her eyes to see his plan for her life. God can tell you who to marry, what job to take. Yes, he will. He'll tell you to buy a house or don't buy a house. Buy a car or don't buy a car. Which one to buy? We've been signing the line a couple of times and the Lord said, don't do this. Signing the papers and we stop. We're not doing this. And the guy would look at us like, "You, you what's wrong with you people? Look, This has happened a couple of times. One was a car, one was with a house. You better know that God is directing you and telling you. So we need a revelation. Without a vision, people perish. Without a vision, people cast off restraint. He also said, I've come to proclaim that the oppressed, those who have been broken and crushed by life can be healed. Do you have a message of healing for people? You have, you have it. Do you have the boldness to release it? Who is the, what is your message of healing? Jesus is the healer. But you might be like here to here. You might be going into a house and as, as, as Andrew, the doctor said, you know, all they know how to do is eat potato chips and drinks, cokes and all this, where they're going to go in and teach them how to cook vegetables and sit at a table and have family meals. You think, well, that's so silly. You tell that to somebody who's never experienced that before. See, through this ministry, we're going to change generations. One family at a time, one person at a time. You have that message, that proclamation that you can be healed, that you can be set free. In our Thursday night class, we're talking about the different steps to to getting rid of sin in our life. And, you know, first is gross sins. Everybody, you know, when you get born again, all the gross sins leave usually, right? That's the things that everybody knows is wrong. And then there's those hidden sins. That's those little cultural things that the culture might say it's okay, but the Word of God says it's not. So you gotta make a decision. It's those little hidden things that, you know, well, I don't want anybody, you know, everybody says this is okay. Well, it makes sense to me. Well, what does the Word of God say? So he deals with that level. But the third level that he deals with are those deep, deep sin, those deep embedded sins. And it's those unlike areas, unlike Christ, but it comes from the trauma and the brokenness that we've had in our lives that causes us not to trust God. It's all about trust. Can I trust God with this situation? Can I trust God when the face of my father is on the face of God every day? Can I trust God when I've never seen him answer a single prayer? 
Can I trust him? And getting to those broken, that's what we've been called to do, to get to those broken people. To get to those broken people and, and show them the love of God. They can trust God. And bring that, that's where the Holy Spirit reveals to heal. It's Luke 4.18 ministry that we have. He reveals to heal. And he'll reveal those areas when you might be walking through the church and God will say, you've been angry at your mom for years. Like he did me. Not so many years ago, he said that. Two or three years ago. No, I I didn't know that. I love my mom. (laughs) You've been angry at your mother for years and you've blamed her for so much. And it was true. So Holy Spirit, what did he do? Reveal? He didn't condemn me. He revealed to heal. He revealed to heal. Because he only convicts. He never condemns. The devil's the only one that condemns. The devil is the only one that condemns. God convicts, which brings hope into our life. And then the last thing we're supposed to proclaim is that this is the day of God's favor. We live under grace. We live under days of God's favor, but his favor is is consistent with his word. His favor falls upon those who are obedient to his word, to his revealed will. It doesn't matter what culture says about something. See, culture makes it convenient for us to sin. It's convenient to get rid of this baby because I can't afford it. It's convenient to move in with somebody because I can't afford it on my own. Those are sins. And this is where God, he, he said, I'm just revealing this so I can heal you. Do we trust God? Do we trust God to make the way? And the, and the fourth thing, Matthew eleven twenty seven and John seventeen six, he says, reveals the Father to those given to him. We're supposed to represent the Father. We represent the Father. We show the Father, our, his love. we show the people the Father's love. How good are we at doing that? The church is to do all of these things. So how are we to do it? And back to Matthew 28. It's really quite simple, isn't it? When we start thinking, it's really pretty simple. It says, then Jesus came and it came close to them and said, all the authority of the universe has been given to me. Now go in my authority, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to faithfully follow all I have commanded you. And never forget that I am with you every day, even to the completion of the age. Well, that's saying going into nations. Now, let's break it down a minute, okay? Let's just look at that little word, go. Now, go. I'm going to give you a little bit of Greek grammar, okay? This is called a contemporaneous participle. Anybody ever heard of that before? (laughs) A contemporaneous participle is an action word that is happening in around the same time as the main action is happening. Not necessarily at the same time, but consistent with that action. So just to paraphrase that, we might say, as you go, make disciples. As you live your life, make disciples. As you go to work, make disciples. As you go shopping, make disciples. Now, what is disciple? How do you make a disciple? You say, well, that means spending a lot of time with them. Well, not necessarily. You might be one little 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 piece in that puzzle for their total picture as a disciple. You might be the one that's going to meet the mama that doesn't have the money to buy her kids milk and food line. And the Lord say, I want you to pay for that. And I want you to pray for her. You might be the one like Zach and Nicole were talking about in prayer last night. They were in a business and 
Suddenly, all of a sudden, it came up. The man was just had been out for four months with a very sick child. They got an opportunity to pray and encourage him. It might be Gage out here on the streets needing somewhere to sleep. He might need a tent. And you show him the love of God. Or the other, there's many Gages out there. But it also might be those that God does call us to walk alongside for extended periods. If we're not too busy. If we're not too busy. So as you live your life, you make disciples. As you live your life, you make disciples. So how do we become God's church in today's world? How many want to be a tremendous source of blessing for others? Don't we all? You say, well, I don't have a whole lot of money. Well, you don't take a whole lot of money. Sometimes it's just a cup of soup. Sometimes it's just a prayer. Sometimes it's a smile. Sometimes it's just an encouraging word. Sometimes it's returning a phone call. Sometimes it's, it's just really, it doesn't take a lot of money. But you know what? When you give to the poor, God blesses you, doesn't he? You want, to, you want God's financial blessing? Give to the poor. You'll be amazed at what God will do. So number one is we just operate according to the biblical pattern. We recognize God's blueprint for the church. There ha- you know, there's times that you need to be apostolic. See, there's times when you meet, or well, let's just say your family, your children, when you need to correct a wrong that's been done. There's times you need to do spiritual warfare for your children. There's times you need to hear a word from God. Like, get up and pray for my son. There's a snake going to cross his bed. Now, you didn't get that part in the dream, did you? Or the, No, God doesn't always tell you everything. He just says, get up and pray. Get up and pray. Sometimes he'll give you the vision, but he doesn't. Probably if, if Brenda had been given the vision of the snake, she'd have snatched Greg out of there and had him at her house. But he probably learned an incredible lesson from that. Just be obedient. Sometimes you need to be prophetic. You need to have an ear open to hear what God is saying. Or you might walk by somebody and you might think, I feel like I've got a word for them. Oh, but I don't want to do that. So you need to operate in faith. Some, you need to study the word so you can teach them what the word of God says. So when come, somebody comes to this phony baloney rationalization of it, this cultural sin is okay, you can tell them this is what the word of God says. Right? Sometimes you might need to be pastoral. That means you got to love them. you got to nurture them. See, all of us, we said this, all of us can be all of these things. We all have the ability because we have Holy Spirit in us, and He's all these things. Number two, we have to do the work of the, that Jesus did. We have, to, we have to actively look for opportunities when God is sending the lost to us. I want you to be just, I want your antennas out. I want your antennas out. Listen, God, who who are you sending to me today? Who can I help today? Who can I pray with today? Who can I destroy the works of the devil in their life today? Who needs prayer? Who can I go into warfare with? And four. And then three, we need to make disciples. We need to make disciples. Will we take the time to disciple someone? Will we take the time? We live in such a self-centered culture, even in the church. The church is very self-focused. I've had we've had pastors tell us we don't want those kind of people at our church. We've had them tell us that we don't want those kind of people. We don't want those kind of people in our business. We don't want those kind of people in our business. 
We've had people tell us that. I want you to stand if you will. Everyone should have communion elements. Did you get them when you came in? I'm going to read this last slide. This has been a real hot spot slide for us. This is what we have been praying. This is what we've been hearing. This is what we've been... Here's the elements up here. Kelly, would you take those back, back there? You've heard this. Somebody give Jeff the elements. <laughs> what is the purpose of the church? We are God's living gateways. We are God's living gateways to the city, to the school, to our jobs, to our families. What is a gateway? It's a portal that's open so God can flow through us. Psalm 24. Who then is allowed to ascend the mountain of Yahweh? And who has the privilege of entering into God's holy place? This is very clear. We can justify it all we want to. But my culture is doing this. But my nation says it's okay. But there's laws that have been passed making this legal. Those who are clean, whose works and ways are pure, whose hearts are true and sealed by the truth, those who never deceive and whose words are sure, they will receive Yahweh's blessings. So that is telling me if you don't have these, you don't receive the blessing. See, prosperity does not equal blessing, God's blessing always. You can be prosperous and not be blessed by God. You can just kind of work your way into prosperity if you're smart, right? That doesn't necessarily mean you have God's blessing. They will receive Yahweh's blessings and righteousness given by the Savior God. They will stand before God where they seek the pleasure of God's face. They're pursuers after God. They're, they can't get enough of God. They thirst for God. They reach out for Him. The God of Jacob, so wake up, you living gateways. What's he saying? He's saying, all of you that are pure and that, that my blessed, wake up to this fact that you're my gateway, you're my portal, and I want to work through you. Lift up your heads, you doorways of eternity. This is the church he's talking to, the real church. Welcome the King of glory for He is about to come through you. Man, when you walk out into that, so you, I'm an open gateway. God, work through me. Touch the people I meet. Let me walk into a place and demons